You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning, church. How are you? Good to be with you today. My name is Sam. I'm the lead pastor here. I get to serve uh, on the pastoral staff of this amazing church, and we are happy that you are here this morning because what we are doing is changing lives, all right? What we are doing in this room for the hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning, it is no exaggeration to say that this will change your lives. The message that we believe, the message that we are singing, the message that we are about to open up, woo, friends, this will change your life. And so if you are ready for your life to be changed, you are in the right spot because we are here to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. And so you're a part of that. So welcome this morning. Uh, Glad that you're here. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to go ahead and ask for forgiveness because I'm going to do something right now that might make a little bit, uh, some waves, you know? might make you uncomfortable. It might make you get up right now in the middle of this room and storm out and never come here again. I'm about to talk about Christmas. I know it, right? I know, I get it, right? How many of you are like, don't even, you dare mention the C word until after Thanksgiving? Anybody like that? Whoa, I'm the old, I'm like, I'm like, if I hear Christmas music before Thanksgiving is done, I'm going to lose my mind because if you don't respect the turkey, woof, you're in trouble. How many of you, it's like March, and you're already counting down the days till Christmas? Oh, painful. I'm so sorry. All right. You can't raise your hand for both. What is that? You're conflicted. So I want to talk to you about Christmas, because obviously the best part of Christmas is the movies. All right? What's your favorite Christmas movie? Die Hard Hard is a Christmas movie. Yep. I should have known. You don't ask open-ended questions from the pulpit. They taught me this in preacher school. Uh, you know, Home Alone, right? Us 90s kids loved Home Alone. Uh, what else do we got? The Holiday for all the ladies and the one dude. I know. I see you. I see you, Holiday. Uh, how many of you guys, come on now, right? How many of you guys, you love yourself? It's a wonderful life. Come on, right? Even if you can't say it's your favorite, like, you have to watch this. You have to, like, Christmas is not even complete if you don't watch this movie. And so for the three of you in this room that have no idea what this movie is, let me summarize it. It, It's about the main character, and his name is George Bailey. And you see, many, like many of you in this room, George is just having a rough go of it. You know, he's just had that kind of life. And uh, he comes to the point where he's actually ready to end it all. It's really sad, actually. It starts off really sad. And he just starts to think, maybe the world would be better off without me. I mean, like, if I wasn't even alive, who would notice? If I wasn't even here, what difference would it make on the people around me? And so another character comes in, and he's our favorite angel, not Michael, but Clarence, the wingless angel. And Clarence shows up here, and his assignment is to show George just how much his life has impacted the lives of people around him. And he takes him kind of like, you know, a Charles Dickens, a Christmas story-esque, right? And he starts to show them all the people's lives that are in his world and how different it would be if he was not born. And George realizes, I've made a difference. 
my life does mean something. Like, the world is different because I'm in it. And so he comes full circle, and he begs for his life back. I want to go back. I want to go back. And so he goes back, and he lives happily ever after, understanding his presence and his influence on the world around him. Merry Christmas, church. Merry Christmas. Maybe it's too early. Maybe it is too early, but like we're going to have an awesome Advent season. We're planning that right now as a staff, so don't miss that. It will start after the turkey is cut and consumed and digested. But Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. All right. All right. So everybody loves, everybody loves It's a Wonderful Life, but what I'm actually really, really excited for this year, 2021, do you know that they're making a sequel? Did you guys know that? Oh, it's not getting a lot of publicity. I don't understand why. It's really new, and so not a lot of people are talking about it. But I, just this week, I found one media outlet, one news reporter that was willing to write a synopsis. And I guess people are scared to go there because how do you improve upon this, right? But I found one newspaper that was willing to give a synopsis of this sequel. And, uh, oh, man, this is good. You want to hear it? Let me read it to you. The movie is called It's a Wonderful Church. Here's how it reads. A recently launched church on the eastern shore of Maryland contemplates their own relevance. They ask critical, existential questions such as, if our church was missing, would anyone notice? If this community of people vanished, if the Christians in Talbot County ceased to exist, would we be missed? Would our absence be felt? What difference do we even make, and what should be the extent of our influence? To answer their questions, someone whose word is better than the words of angels appears supernaturally to give them insight into their role and inspire them to greater levels of influence in the world. It is none other than Jesus Christ himself, the founder and sustainer of the church, Rather than providing literal instruction, he speaks in pictures and parables, giving his church food for thought that they will be chewing on for thousands of years to come. Fall 2021. You guys excited for that movie? Anybody want to see that one? Yeah. It's not a real movie. I know, the whole time you were like, what is this? It's actually not real. I was talking about us. Did you know that? You guys didn't have your coffee this morning. Okay, I see that. This was not a real movie, but I will tell you this. Those are real questions. Those are real questions that we are asking as a church. Those are real questions that you should be asking as a Christian on the shore. And I'll tell you this, the answer to those questions, the best answers that you can possibly provide to those questions, Jesus gives them to us in the form of a picture. As a matter of fact, we get two pictures this week in our series. It's a double feature. It's Christmas in your jammies. Double feature. And we are going to see two pictures as we contemplate our own relevance on the shore. Are you guys ready for that? Yeah. All right, Matthew chapter 5. Let's take, take a look at these pictures here. We begin in verse 13. This is God's word for us. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
This is the word of the Lord. So here's what we like to do here at East Point. We just pick a passage, and then we just go down verse by verse, and we try to understand it. And so we're here in Matthew chapter 5. For context, Jesus is on a mountain giving the greatest uh, a sermon of all time, all right? The greatest sermon of all time, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount, because he's standing on a mount. Okay, very, very clear here. And so he's standing on a mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He begins to give these instructions. He begins to give this sermon. And if you're paying attention, if you're a conscientious Bible reader, you can't help but notice that the authors are starting to draw some similarities to another dude who went on a mountain and gave instruction. All the way back in Exodus. And so back in Exodus, God is making a new kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, and he sends Moses up onto a mountain. And Moses, standing on the mountain, he receives instruction from God, and he teaches the people, this is how things work in God's kingdom. He gets the law, and he points to it. This is the ethic. This is the guideline. This is the law for how you should be living as God's chosen people. And you will be blessed when you do this. You'll be blessed when you do this. This is God's design. That's Moses. And so here we are several thousand years later, and Jesus shows up, and he goes up on a mountain. Except he didn't go up to receive the law. He stepped up on the mountain to give the law. And so we see these allusions to Moses where he stands up and he says, God is making a new kingdom. And he points to the law. He says, and this is how you are to behave. This is the ethic. This is the design for God's kingdom. But he's not pointing to tablets. He's speaking as one who has authority. Because the one who is speaking on this mountain is better than Moses. Moses spoke from God. Jesus stands up and he is God. He's the king of this kingdom. And so he can speak authoritatively. And he points to the law and he says, if you do this, you will be blessed. And if you do this, you will be blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. This is how things work in God's new kingdom. And so what we are about to see is one small part of that sermon. And we're going to see the part of the sermon where he points to you followers of Jesus. And he says, in God's kingdom, this is how you are to understand your role. This is how you are to live your life on the eastern shore. This is how you are to be a Christian in high school. This is how you are supposed to conduct yourself in college. This is how you are to understand your identity in the workplace, because this is God's kingdom. And he gives us two pictures. The first one, he says it very clearly. He says, you are salt. Not to be confused with being salty, all right? Like, I'm salty. No, 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 different salt. He says, you are salt. And what they would have understood immediately in that context, because that was their world, is that salt is extremely valuable. Salt was so critical in the society that people actually got paid with salt. Like, salt was a currency. You can trade salt. Have you ever heard the expression, he's worth his salt? Bing! It's like this, literally salt. Uh, if you get a salary, bing, the word salary literally comes from the time where people were paid by getting an allotment of salt, okay? And so salt was extremely valuable. It was extremely critical. It was even treated as currency because there were no refrigerators. 
There were no deep chests in your garage to keep your deer and your cows and your hogs and everything else you kill here on the shore, okay? There was no refrigeration, and so they would have salt, and they would use it as a preservative. Because here's what's so interesting. If you take salt and you rub it into the meat, it slows the decay. In a world with no refrigeration, salt preserved the meat. It kept it from spoiling. It kept it fresh and alive. And so you could tell if there was salt on that meat. Try to eat meat that didn't have the salt. <laughs> Try to keep meat for a few months that wasn't being preserved. You would know the difference. The presence of salt was undeniable. Undeniable. And so Jesus is here. He points to the salt, and he says, let me give you a hypothetical. Like, what if salt lost its taste? What if salt lost its savor, its saltiness? What if salt lost the defining quality of salt? <laughs> what if salt stopped being salty, he says. Now, there's a lot of ink from people who are smarter than me. There's a lot of, like, a, a lot of scholars debate about what's going on here, and they're getting into chemistry and idioms of the Hebrew language, and I'm like, I was reading it this week, and I was like, I have better things to do. But here are two kind of understandings of what's happening here, okay? I don't have better things to do. I literally get paid to do this. So that was an expression in the Hebrew language, okay? But here's basically two camps, two schools of thought, okay? The first school of thought, they say, impossible. Psh, that is absurd. Salt, psh, Jesus, you tripping. Salt cannot lose its saltiness. And so he's using irony. He's making an absurd statement to make a point. That's the first that's the first school of thought. The second school of thought, I actually like it a little bit better because it seems more robust, but in these days, salt was a lot different than the salt that's on your kitchen table right now. You know what I mean? Like, not many of you are trying to go to the store and buy things with your salt packets, right? Like, how much for this car? I'll give you a thousand salt packets. It won't work. I've tried it. It won't work. You see, in those days, salt wasn't pure salt, that like, we get our salt because it evaporates from salt water. The way that they would collect salt it was, it was messy, and so there was a lot of compounds mixed into the salt, right? There were a lot of impurities, and so it doesn't matter. There was a kind of this compound of different elements. That doesn't matter as long as the salt is still in the mix, okay? So you have salt, and you got some other dirt and granular things, but, you know, that's welcome to the first century, literally. And so they would have the salt, and that's no problem, but in that compound, as you guys know, salt is soluble, Salt dissolves, it gets sucked into moisture. And so if you didn't guard your salt well, if you didn't store it well, if you exposed it to the elements, if it was sitting on ground where there's moisture, the salt part, the literal salt, would dissolve, it would be leached out, and all you would have left is a pile of salt. A white, granular substance that actually didn't have any of the salt in it. It was just the other elements and impurities. You, you get what I'm trying to say? And so you have this pile, and you're like, well, I have salt. Or, as Jesus is saying, you have unsalty salt. And so you can't put that on your meat. You can rub it all day, but it's not going to preserve the meat. And so what they would do is, they go, well, I have this granular white substance, and they would use it the same way that you would use gravel. Just go put it on the path. Go make a little path to the garden so you're not getting muddy. Or as Jesus says, they would throw it out and trample it under people's feet. Literally. It doesn't matter. Whatever Jesus is getting at, whether it's an absurd statement or whether he's literally talking about salt in Israel, his point is the same. Salt that is unsalty is useless. 
Salt that doesn't preserve is not serving its function. It, is, it has lost its defining quality. Okay, enough about salt. Let's move from the metaphor and talk about the meaning. He says, you are salt. You are salt. Just as salt is rubbed on meat to preserve it, followers of Jesus are salt on the earth. Okay? Just as salt is rubbed on meat to keep it from decaying, he's saying my followers, Christians, the church, are the preserving presence. They are the salt on the earth. Spread over it to keep it from decaying. And so the first point that Jesus is making is saying this. In this world, in the kingdom of God, you, church, you, Jesus followers, are meant to be a preserving presence. We are meant to be a preserving presence. We're not talking about rubbing salt into meat. We're talking about an influence on the earth that preserves the world, that keeps the state of humanity from decaying and from descending further and further into a condition that is not unlike spoiled meat. You see, the influence of salt is undeniable. And Jesus is saying, so should your presence be. Your presence on this earth, your presence on the shore, your presence in this community, your presence at your workplace should be an undeniable, preserving presence. You see, you look at history, friends, and, and we can talk all day about how bad the world is and it's corrupt. Imagine the world without the church. Because the church is a preserving presence. The world is a better place because there are people on this earth who are living out the ethics of God's kingdom, not the world's kingdom. You see, because the church is in the world, the world can get a glimpse of the image of God, even though we're fallen and broken. When we're living out the ethics of the kingdom, the world can see the image of God as God designed it to be. When the church is living out the ethics of the kingdom, the world can start to just get a whiff of, get, get, a, get a small taste. They can see semblances of how God designed life to be in the first place in the garden. This earth does not look like the Garden of Eden right now. But when we're salty, when we are preserving, when we're living like Jesus' followers, people start to go, oh, that's what it was meant to be like. And so you have an interaction with someone, and they exhibit integrity, not selfishness. And there's something inside of us that goes, that's how it was meant to be. We see two parents, right, who are loving each other, and they're fighting through difficulty, and they're not leaving one another, and they're raising their children. There's something inside of us that goes, hmm, that's how it was meant to be. We see people go out of their way with selflessness and compassion to help other people, and we go, ah, that's how it was meant to be. And the followers of Jesus on this world are preserving the goodness, the love, the truth, and the peace that God designed. And so Jesus, he points to this hypothetical. He goes, you are salt. If the salt has lost its saltiness, what good is it? And he wants us to think, church, if we lose our defining quality, if we fail to be what we were designed to be, what good are we? We are an oxymoron. At best, saltless salt. At best, it's an oxymoron. At worst, it's extremely frustrating and annoying. And so Jesus is saying, don't be an oxymoron. Don't be saltless salt. 
A community of Jesus followers who has no positive influence has lost its defining quality. A Christian who doesn't make the world around them a better place has lost her defining quality. Salt that no longer preserves is not functioning properly. And so here's our vision, right? I'm really excited about what's happening right now, the launch season. I mean, this has been fantastic. It's been rewarding and fruitful. Five weeks ago, you know, I mean, man, that was awesome. But here's a bigger question. What's happening five years from now? If we close our doors five years from now, would the community even notice? Because I'm telling you, in Jesus' day, if there was no salt on the meat, and they saw all the maggots and the worms and the decaying and the mold, they'd go, excuse me, the salt is missing. If we were missing from Talbot County, would the, would the world notice? Ten years from now, if we close our doors, would we hear an audible groan? Oh, we lost East Point? Because they know they just lost a preserving presence on the eastern shore. That's what Jesus wants for this church. That's part of the vision. A geographic influence where we are preserving the world. We are preserving our little corner of the earth. Because we're salt. We're salt. So I told you, we get two, right? Two pictures. Number one, you are salt. Look at the second picture in the last couple of verses. Look what he says here. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Second picture we see here is light. And unlike salt, right, like salt, I had to give you the, all the historical background to understand the significance of sodium chloride. And No, no, light is pretty intuitive here. Light changes things. Light expels darkness. People can see when the lights are on. When the lights are on, the entire atmosphere changes. You feel safe. You feel secure. You can see clearly. You guys know it to be true. You can see light from miles and miles away because the defining quality of light, what makes light light, is that light is bright. Say that ten times fast. Light is bright. And so the metaphor is clear. He was saying, just like light, we, church, are to be an illuminating influence. Just like salt, a preserving presence, and just like light, an illuminating influence. Just like light, we are to be an undeniable influence wherever we go. Just like light, when the church is on, the whole atmosphere should be different the presence of this church on the eastern shore should be seen and felt for miles. When the lights are on, darkness is expelled and people will see so much more clearly. People who are walking in darkness, people who are blind, people who don't see the truth, they will be able to see if the church is being the church. I know a lot of good churches out there. Oh, man, I know exceptional churches with exceptional congregations who are doing extraordinary, extraordinary good works in their community. But this is not supposed to be a rare exception. This is not a rare phenomena of an exceptional church here, an exceptional church there. This is a global reality. He says, you are the light of the world. This is supposed to be the reality wherever Jesus' followers are. 
But just like saltless salt, just like lightless light, what, what good would light do if it were hidden? What good would the light do if it ceased to shine and illuminate? Friends, light cannot be hidden, and nor should it. Nor should it. He says, if there's a city set on a hill, can you hide that? I don't care what St. Michael said about fooling the British. You cannot hide a city of lights. He says, if you were to light a lamp and put it under a basket, like, that defeats the purpose of the light. Lightless light is an oxymoron, counter to its nature, to illuminate an area, expel the darkness, and help everyone in the house see. Lightless light doesn't help. And so Jesus is saying, in the same way, Christians, in the same way, followers, just as light shines, just as light illuminates, let your light shine. You see, the church should be expelling darkness. The church should have its presence felt. How? By abounding in good works. By abounding in good works. Two, can we say those together? Two words, ready? Good works. One more time, a little bit higher. Good works. Th that's good volume. We need that volume literally. We need to be abounding in good works because our good works are the way that we shine. And here's where it gets crazy, right? We are to shine our light. How do we shine our light? By doing good works. Okay, our good works are a light. We're illuminating the area. Look, the shore is shining bright. What are we illuminating? What are we helping people see more clearly by the shiningness of our good works? What's the point of good works again? I know we're supposed to shine so that people can see, but what, what do we want them to see? Well, obviously, we want them to see how great we are. Guys, come on now. If we shine brighter, they'll see us from farther. We want people to like our Facebook post, right? Woo! We want those Twitter things to just blow up. We want to be, man, we want to be the Insta church. We want to get all the likes and hearts. Man, if we get more comments, then people will know we're a bright church. We're shining brightly so that people can see how awesome we are. Is that why we're shining? No. Our good works are like lights. They are like spotlights that help people see. And what are the spotlights set to? The spotlights are aiming at the goodness and glory of our Father in heaven. Our little works put all together will shine like a bright bonfire. And by the light of our fire, by the light of our light, they will see what God is like. They will see what God is like. And so our good works, they're not for hollow tweets and for empty post likes. Our light is shining a light on God's goodness on God's justice, on God's mercy, on God's grace, on God's care, on God's love, on God's concern, on God's protection. When we shine our lights, they will see him. To put it more clearly, the good works of the church reveal the glory of God. The good works of the church reveal the glory of God. Friends, listen to me. When we love the poor, When we feed the hungry, when we help the helpless, 
when we support the downtrodden, when we go out of our way to teach the illiterate, when we sit with the widow and the widower, when we protect the foreigner, when we heal the wounded, when we comfort the broken, when we foster and parent the orphan, when we partner with the single parents, when we defend the vulnerable, we are saying, that is what God is like. That is what God does. That is who God is. Our goal in shining our lights is so much bigger than public interest or or promotions. Our goal as the church becomes shining a spotlight on the matchless beauty and goodness of God in heaven, who is and who does all of those things I just said. People have an opinion about what God is like. People think they know what God is like, and people, oh yeah, God of the Bible, God of this. No, our God loves the poor. He feeds the hungry. He clothes the naked. He visits the prisoners. He fathers the fatherless. That's what God is like. How will the world know? The church. The church shines a light so that people can see what their creator is like. Is there anybody in this room who wants to show Talbot County what their creator is like? Is there anybody in this room who wants the world to know that our God in heaven is the Father? He gives justice to the weak and the fatherless. He maintains the right of the afflicted and the destitute. You want God, you want people to know that's what God is like? I do. You know who else God is? He's the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows, is God in his holy habitation. How will the world know? You know who else God is? He is the Lord. He is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. How will they know? The world will see God for who he is. The world will see him in all of his splendor and his beauty in 4K, HD, crystal clear. Boom! That's what God is like. And they will see it when the church shines brightly. They will see it when the church is a preserving presence. And they will see it when the church is an illuminating influence. It's time to shine, church. It's time to shine, East Point. And here's the best part of this message, okay? This is not a pep rally. (laughs) This is not a pep rally of like, come on, be better, go get it. It's not a pep rally, all right? A pep rally says, if you go out there and you try harder, then you can shine bright and be a good church. And if it's on me, friends, that is not good news because I'm not naturally those things. And I can stand up here and bang the can and bang the pulpit and rah, rah, and tell you what, by 5 o'clock tomorrow, you're back to you. This is not about a church grabbing themselves by their bootstraps and just white-knuckling it. No, friends, here is good news for you. Moses on the mountain, he gave these instructions, but they were written on tablets of stone. Jesus is here, and he's on a mountain, and he's giving you these instructions. Be salt and be light, but here's what he also promises. He's going to write these instructions, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of your heart. Jesus is not only giving us the commandment, he's giving us a new heart. He's putting his Holy Spirit inside of us, so that way when we hear, be salt, be light, let your good work shine, we're not trying to do something that we're not. He gave us a new heart. He made us that. 
We genuinely, legitimately love our community, not because we're awesome. No, we were sinful, selfish people who couldn't give whatever if the world went to hell in a handbasket. We don't care about people naturally. We are sinful, but God changed us. And now we love people because God loves us. I care about this community because God cares about me. I care about the hungry, the widows, the fatherless, the orphans. I care about them because God does, and his spirit now lives in us, church. And so this is not a pep rally to try harder at good works. This is the gospel message that God has saved us, and he has made us his, and now we can respond to him by loving the world. God has already put this in us, church. From the moment that he saved us, he put this in us, written on the tablets of our heart. And so we're going to respond. We're going to respond this morning. And here's how we're going to respond. We're going to do this in a couple ways. First of all, I want you to know that behind the scenes right now, there is a team of people, just a, I don't know what we're calling ourselves, right? There's no fancy name, but a team that is focusing on local outreach. East Point Church has been in existence for like almost a month, you know? And already we want to know, Lord, how are we going to be salt and light on the shore? How are we going to engage in good works so that the world will see what you are like? So we're working on that, okay? We're working on that. As we work on that, we're launching something extremely exciting here that I want you to know about, okay? And we're calling it Two for Talbot. Two for Talbot. And here's how we're going to do this. Ready? Next week, starting next week, and then every month for the rest of our lives, once a month, we're going to take a special offering. Okay? Special offering, probably the third Sunday of the month. For those of you who like your, t- your planners and your, your schedules, on the third Sunday of the month, we're going to come together and we're going to ask every person in this room to give an offering of $2. $2. That's your cup of coffee for the morning. An offering of $2. As a matter of fact, our children right now, our children are learning about this and they're getting their little Tootsie Roll jars. There's no Tootsie Rolls though. I grabbed this this morning. I was like, that was so cruel. Should have given them the Tootsie Rolls, and then they empty it, and now they have their giving jars. Next time, okay? But the children, they're going to be collecting their change and their bills, and we want our entire church to come together once a month, and we're going to all give $2. Two for Talbot County. And what we're going to do is every penny that we collect on those special Sundays, above and beyond our normal offerings and tithes, we're going to bring it together, we're going to write a check, and we're going to go to a local organization in Talbot County. And just say, hey, you may not know us yet, but we love the shore because God loves us, and you clearly are doing really good work for the shore. And so here's a check. Boom, 600 bucks just to say, thank you, keep up the good work, you're for the shore, so are we. we got to support our community, friends. In a couple months, we'll, we'll, all, we'll do our $2, and it's going to go to the public schools, the middle school. And we're going to take our money, and we're going to go to the principal, and we're going to say, hey, buy Starbucks gift cards or whatever you need for all your teachers. We love you guys. You're doing good work. You're for the shore. So are we. Boom. Right? We got Talbot mentors on the list. And, and uh, next, next week, you'll hear more about Talbot Interfaith Shelter. We actually have a lady from Talbot Interfaith Shelter. She's going to come here, the director, and I asked her to share. She's like, you want me to preach? I was like, no. <laughs> oh. You have three minutes to tell us what you're doing for the shore. She's like, okay, that's much better. I was like, yes. So um, I was like, I need all the time I can get up here, you know. But she's going to come and share. She's going to come and share what they're doing for Talbot County. And then guess what we get to do? Right there in front of the lady, we're going to preach the gospel to her. And we're going to say, hey, just so you know, here's what you're doing. God saved us. He loves this community. And so he sent us to be here. That's why we love the shore. And so in that sense, we're partners. Can we pray for you? Sure. And we're going to do it. Right? I went to a, a breakfast this week at, at Choices Pregnancy Center. Oh, my goodness. 
They are on the ground floor. They are showing people the love and the care and the protective nature of God himself. And so we want to love on them. We want to bless them and encourage them. And so there will be more ways that you can uh, stay up to date and hear about all these things. But the first thing I just want to do is call you to respond by preparing for next week's offering. So you need to go get the couch cushions up, right? Rip up the Velcro. $2. If you don't have any change in your couch, then you can just download the Church Center app. All right? And on that app, you literally just hit two. It's that simple. So make sure you have that, down, that app downloaded. Because so, we're like literally right in the middle of the room. We're going like, to pause and say, everybody take out your phones. $2. Right? If you don't like apps, you're anti-app, I get it. Uh, you can just text the word GIVE to 84321. Text that number this week so you can set up your account. So that way next week, 9.30, we're here. But, like I literally want to hear like a collective, like I want to hear the universe creak under the weight of all of those buttons going at the same time. Like I just, like we're all going to give at the same time. Because we know that when the church is abounding in good works, we reveal the glory of God. And we want this community to know what God is like. Do you? Yeah, so do I. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, so much for your word, Lord. Salt and light, simple and yet extremely challenging. And so we take this, this word seriously, Lord. We want to respond. We don't want to just get excited about these metaphors. We want to put our money where our mouth is. We want to put our money where the kingdom is. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do great things on the shore through East Point Church. Father, we pray that through the preserving presence and the illuminating influence of this church that people would know what you were like. Father, for those that are hurting, for those who are hungry, for those who are broken, for those who are downtrodden, for those who don't feel like there's any good in the world, I pray that they would see you, good with a capital G, because we're showing them, Lord. So be with us, Father. Be with this church. I pray that we would grow in the grace of giving. I pray that we would grow in the grace of generosity, that, Lord, just one week at a time, one month at a time, that we would make a difference here on the shore for your glory. Because that's what we want, Lord. At the end of the day, we want people to give glory to our Father who is in heaven because you alone are worthy of glory and positive attention and all of the spotlight, Lord. So let it be so, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.